Let me tell you how I live today. In the living room. <laughs> okay, so, so if this works, it's going to be a live, unedited, uncut living room podcast from, can I say names? Sure. Bestie Cats Living Room. We're in Key West, Florida. Ah, that's all I have to say. I know, I know. Sitting at the living room table in this beautiful, and I have to first acknowledge that um, there is the most gorgeous piece of artwork. I'm so happy for Kat, because this is a phenomenal piece. Le Futu. Le Futu. On a piece of, um, like, is it shiplap? Would it, like, how would you describe that wood? That is an old fence that my husband put together and it was painted white and I took a grinder to it and just had the, oh uh, uh, the need to paint our future and it's called Le Futur. And um, I wanted, I love elephants and this little piece is going from a green part of the world to a very dark part of the world with a little bit of water and the elephant's trying to help water a plant. And it's just, it breaks my heart because uh, the climate issue is really a uh, passionate thing for me at this moment in time. And it was my first painting. I'd never... I can't believe that's your first painting. And so I'm, I'm loving that Stace loves it. That Maybe I'll take a health. picture and post it with this, if you wouldn't mind. I would It's so mind. beautiful. It makes it even more special to me that you... Um, that you ground down the white on the background because I didn't know that. Like, I didn't know the way. There's four planks that's of wood. That's correct. And that's what I told Kat when I first saw it was um, I listened to a, a lecture on a comparison between Western and, and Chinese art, which blew my mind because it's not about technique. It's about... Um, internal philosophy and the way of approaching life and so like the Chinese art for the most part pays attention to the space and it pays attention to the ability to create within a line in one stroke like there's no if you look at the the greatest Chinese master artist um there's no redos it's just every time they they put their brush to silk Every single intention um, was a, has a purity of expression. You know, we're like Western art. There's a zillion redos. They paint the background and then they, you know, they they fix they it. They go a dark times. from light. Yeah, always. It's always it's that dark, dark from, from light. light. But and, and I'm looking at this piece and it's it's like it incorporates that Eastern art ideal because because the background is wood with a little bit of whitewash. You can tell that there's no redos. There's no possible way that you could redo anything because the background, the, it, that's why it speaks to me is because it's so raw. I love you. It's, I love but you. But you understand it's that, don't foot. you? Do you see that? Do you feel that? I, I did the it's whole time. It's fucking brilliant. I never have held a paintbrush except this silly little course that I took and it was all that do the dark first, right. do the light next and do the shadow here and I can't think like that mm-hmm. I can't I don't want to think like that I don't God want, bless you I don't have that ability to, to say oh I want to paint a house and I wanted to make it look like a house I want something that looks like something plus the emotion yeah. that you have 
I want that to be on my medium as well. That's why you're an artist because you're like, okay, <laughs> my first you. painting, my first painting. I'm it's an artist phenomenal. already. It's fun. Well, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I love you. Thank you. But you know that, don't you? Like you see that, don't you? I, I know that I enjoyed doing that piece more than I've enjoyed many, many things that I have done in my life. That's what it's all about. And that's what, that's what I was telling you last night. It's like the carrot. You know what I mean? Like back in the day when I was like barely even knew how to put chords together, the feeling I had in my body when I figured something out was like, this is worth doing. Carries me forward to the next thing. This is worth doing. And then I'm sitting in Central Park. Remember the time we went to New York? Yes. And I got all pissy about something. <laughs> and I took myself into Central Park with my little journal. I'm writing scribbly poetry, feelings, unloading, and realizing these are fucking lyrics. These are lyrics to songs. You know, like, how would, how would I ever be a songwriter? We're so glad you got pissy that day then, because I know it came, became a wonderful song. But that's what I'm saying. It's those emotions, those emotions that you allow push you and mold you and burn you and create you know and 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 then taking it back and like when i finally had the i don't know if it was like the nerve or just the curiosity to sit at a piano and open that notebook and put it up there and be like could this be a song and then all of a sudden stuff comes out of me and i start playing things on the piano with chords and it's like oh my god this is really good and then i get chills on my arms and it's like it's not me do you know what i mean it's like it's it's just something coming through me and that's when i started looking at songs as like things that want they have their own energy and their own entity and they want to be in the world and so the approach that i started taking was just honoring it it's like what do you want i did this this um cover version of um it's, it's on my old YouTube channel, Breath of Heaven. And that's the way it was. Like, I love the song and, and I love to sing it. But when I started playing piano, it was like something was coming through me. Like, this is what I, this is what I want to sound like. And so almost every day I would go to the piano and I would play a little bit of it. And, and then it would be like, no, do this differently. Do this differently. And it kept on, like every day, it kept on doing that until it just had this shape of its own. It was the craziest thing. But I knew, I knew the feeling. Like when you're painting, you know the feeling of this is right. This I was is. afraid to pick up a brush for a long time. Mm -hmm. I was afraid that I would, would, did not have a creative bone in my body. That fear yeah. kept me from yeah. doing so much for so long yeah. because I grew up in a very creative family and I did not have a voice. I, I danced a little bit, but that gave me freedom. Yeah. It gave me such freedom and emotional expression yeah. and it didn't matter if anybody liked it. Right. As long, it was coming from pure. my, my soul and my spirit and it was what I wanted I'm on jealous. that. So do I. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It came from my, from my inner that needed to be awakened. Yeah, it had been asleep forever. It's just like, girl, this is what makes you happy. This yeah. is what makes you smile. And uh, we hold ourselves back a lot for fear of failure. Yeah. And when we know. Failure makes us grow, yeah. and we know that logically. Yeah. 
but we still hold back because we don't want to fail because in our brains, failure is not a good word. And we should change that word. We should not use that word failure ever, ever in our children, in anything that we do. We should change it. We're going to come up with the word today. I got it. What is it? Fail up. Fail up. Perfect. Chills again. Always up. Fail up. Because like everything, it's like you bounce. Yes. You fall down, you smash your face, but you bounce. Bounce. We're going to bounce. Just do it. You have to bounce. You have to fail up in order to really explore yourself. Like maybe that's part of it is like you have to hit something so hard to like shake loose the shit that's not real to where what you're left with is like, oh yeah, this is worth it. This is worth me standing up for, or this is worth me standing up to say, or, or you know what I mean? It's like something has to, to, to be like almost like a shattered. violence shattered. It right. has to be shattered. You know? And then you could rebuild. otherwise there's a mold that like keeps you in it. Because those shattered little pieces, you can't put them back together like they were. No. You, that's where your creativity comes in. You pick out the pieces that you really think, oh man, I didn't even know I had that piece there. But that looks great over here. And what if... What if we could all do that? What if we could all just let go for a minute and do something that you thought about doing and just do it? Yeah. If I could do that painting, we are unlimited in what we do. (laughs) (laughs) I can just tell you right now, if I could do this, we are limitless. Absolutely limitless. I tell you, that's why I was talking about like the virtuous cycle because like, when you have that experience, you know, where you see what, if you trust that vulnerability to, to put yourself in a position against your fear, you know what I mean? And to just say, well, I'm just going to do it. Because what were you telling me? You were waking up at one in the morning. I was like, yeah. right. And that's the way for me. I'll be laying in bed and I'll like wake up at one in the morning with stuff going through my head. And I go to the piano and I'm like, holy shit, how did this come out? But if you like, the more you trust that, and the more you make space for that in your life, the more that it just continues to come through you. Yes, yes. And we need to we need to do that with everything. We need to do that with our lives. We need. Yeah, to, that's we, the whole thing. That's the whole thing. The story that you were just telling me about being in the store, and you know, you're holding your basket, and all of a sudden, you realize that you were in your head. And you weren't, you didn't at that particular point have the space, but then you did. Right. Yes. I left that poor woman holding (laughs) 20 pounds of groceries because I was just in my head and not thinking about anybody else except my garbage that was Mm -hmm. in my head. When I turned around to her and I went, I apologize. I was in my head and I moved my things and I know Whenever we get out of our heads and we, I think we get pity parties. We we have too much garbage that we're trying to filter through on a daily basis that every once in a while, like uh, now I try to do it every three seconds, look around (laughs) and see if there's anything there that I'm missing around me. Is there any person that I'm, I'm not paying attention to that needs help or something or uh, chickens? I have chickens too. So I just... we're in our heads a lot. And it's Come a safe space. It's a safe loops. space. It's like we've been in... Uh, yeah. 
Oh, mine's so tangential. It's it's, it's scary. <laughs> your, lips, your lips are like it's like throw you off. It's like a ping pong match in a small room. It truly is. So you're in the box. Yeah, and the balls are all everywhere. It's like handball court. It's exactly it's like a handball court. Yeah, if we get out of that. I did the same thing the other day. I can't even remember where I was. Um, and, but I might have had, I don't know. I had something. Oh, I think it was like at a Go Postal place or UPS. Or I had some things to take care of. And I knew it was going to take a little bit of time. And there was one person behind me that had like one thing I could see. And I'm like, why don't you go first? And the look on their face was so amazing. Because to me, it's logical. It's like, it's going to take you 37 seconds to get your business done. And if I don't let you go in front of me, you're going to have to wait 15, 20 minutes. Do you know what I mean? It's just like a logical thing. Hey, you go. But the look on their face was just like incredulous. Like, whoa, thank you. And that's such a simple thing. But that's what I was talking about before. Like the way that you interact with people, what I see you do with other people, the, the, the celebration of them, it moves forward in the world. Because what you did with that person, it becomes a part of them. You know what I mean? And they're going to carry that into the rest of their day. That person that I let go in front of me, they're going to carry that into the rest of their day. And that's I think how we change yeah, things. I know, and I think that's where the phrase was coined, pass it forward. Because when somebody does something nice to you, I don't care if you're having a bad day and you look like hell, and they say, I love that skirt. Right. You go, oh, and your brain changes. It reframes everything. It just, it does. It opens. It, you, you go, there's, you, there's someone out there that makes me worthy. And the next thing you know, you're letting somebody cross the street on a red light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you're just doing something different, good, and unexpected. Yeah. It just does. It changes and it reframes it all your thoughts in your mind and I'm trying to be a lot better at it when I was younger I was not very good at it and I think as I didn't know you were when you were in that part of your life all I know you is the person that comes into a room and celebrates the magnificence of people and I and then before we started this that's what I was saying to Kat is like I I don't have a person in my life that has that um, genuine ability that you do, and that, and that, and I need to celebrate that because it's you such need to a make gift. me tear. But it is true. Ever, you know what I mean? No matter where we are, no matter how you're feeling, I mean, you immediately identify those parts and pieces of the people that you're with that is a celebration of them, and that's such a gift because it's it's a validating thing that reframes for everybody, and it's something that I learn from, and 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 I want to emulate because it. It is, um, it's powerful. It's really powerful because at the same time, it's not fake. It's like you see people, you know what I mean? You allow them to be seen and all that they are, but it's like a reminder of, yeah, yeah, you're this and you're this, you're this, you know? And that's what we all want because otherwise, you know, it's like this imposter syndrome of if I can just carry it off for so long, if I can pretend to be this for so long, you know, you know what I mean? It's like, a lot of people, I think, I, maybe I'm just speaking from my own experience, but I think a lot of people have that fear and they almost have like a mask, like, 
you know, if I could just keep this up, then people will believe I'm this. But like deep down inside, it's like, what if they find out? We need each other. I don't care who we are. We need each each other. other. We do. We need that smile. We need that um, pat on the back. We need to uh, be on some even ground because our world is so chaotic right now. In my lifetime, I haven't seen it this chaotic. We've been through some really, really bad times. But that's what it is, though. Honestly, like, I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, in, in, in the celebration is the recognition of an equality of humanity. Like, we're all in this together. And I think that's what the core of it is. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like if for just the briefest moment, it's like, this is fucking absurd. Ha ha, we're here together. That's where the need comes in. You know what I mean? Like the vulnerability and, and the need. It's like, um, to, to be in a place of need and to open up to somebody else connecting with that acknowledges that we all need each other and we all have the capacity to show up for each other i I just think it's um nourishing what we were talking about uh probably last night is about whenever we're having such a hard time how difficult it is to reach out to your friends to your dear friends because you don't want to put them in the dark spot that you are. And it is the worst thing that we could ever do. We need to reach out to our friends. We don't need to drag them down because you're not going to drag them down. In our hearts, we think we will. Mm -hmm. To reach out and say, I'm having the worst day of my life. My puppy died. Something happened. Mm -hmm. Just, I just want to tell you. And when you just send the heart emoji and says, (laughs) "I I love you so much. You need that in return. But instead, I find myself, and I know so many people who will not reach out on their darkest days, and they need their friends because we all have friends, and our friends are our friends. They don't judge. They listen whenever you need them to listen. They listen. And we need to remember, do not hold all that darkness into yourself. You need to reach out to your friends because they love you and they would do anything for you. But if you don't ask and tell them, they have no clue and you suffer in silence. And we don't need to do that because we have people. Whenever our puppy died, we went to a restaurant and told the people, because we had been crying and we were pretty pathetic. Fortunately, it was a dark place. And um, the couple next to us started crying, going, we lost our puppy three months ago. And it was like this little cry fest. But it was a beautiful thing when I look at it, because we were all, we've all lost. We've all um, had pain. We've all gone through all these devastating things Losses. we call life. And yeah. to share it with people and for them to cry about their baby months and months ago still, they still had hurt in their hearts. So we actually bonded and allowed them to, to be grieve. who to grieve in as well. Yeah. And 
uncomfortable people sometimes get uncomfortable with yeah, that yeah. that's another thing please don't ever be uncomfortable about crying in public don't it's your people understand real we all understand and the person that frowns at you just look at them and go please just have a better day than i am yeah. that's all you need yeah. to do and move on we don't we we don't need to be I, by I, ourselves i don't think that we realize I, I think i told you i was talking about um my ex-mother-in-law who's one of my dearest friends and a amazingly self-sufficient she's, woman a, she's going adorable through a lot of loss you know like physical capacity and you know neuropathy because of chemotherapy and could had sold her car so she's kind of homebound and older and you know and was super resistant like she was telling me about how her friends you know will drive her but she wants to give them money and they won't take the money and and i said to her you know do you understand that it's a gift to your friends to allow them to to help you yes like when we're in a time of need it's actually a gift to another person to, to open up and allow them to share what they can for us to help us you know what i mean it's like it we we always think of it like you said we always think about it like oh i don't want to burden them exactly. i don't want to drag but, them but down. we don't realize what a exactly. gift it is to somebody to allow them to step in and make a difference for us I used to think whenever um, I would uh, run around the world a little bit and do medical help in really rural places that it was a selfish act on my part because it made <laughs> right. me oh it made me feel better yeah. that I I can't even imagine them feeling better than I did yeah so I always called it my selfish act but I also call, called it tasting the dirt yeah. because I went to places and I just went I don't appreciate anything right right it it changed everything I do not appreciate anything in my world yeah. and it just changed the way I look at things and and I I think we all need to go taste the dirt every once in a while and be a little selfish and help someone because it makes you feel well, so damn good why do you think like I know that when I'm in my my darkest deepest place my my instant and in, and in the travels to that place, you know, during the path to that place, it's this closing in and this isolation. And why do, why do you think, and I don't know what your experience is, but why do you think that we immediately isolate ourselves when we get to that place of darkness, of internal darkness, whether it's like just despair or grief or just overwhelming emotion of aloneness? Why do you think that we automatically cut people off? Depression is powerful. Depression yeah. is it is it powerful? But is it is it? I guess what I'm questioning. I always question this. Like with I, after like you know twenty some years of doing the whole doctor thing, and then all of the internal work that I've done, I always question the functionality. Like I'll give you an example. There was a particular point. Um, this is probably over 10 years into medicine, 15 years. I read this study about stroke victims and, and um, cardiac patients and depression. And it, it looked into the functionality of it. And it was saying that um, it's overwhelmingly common after a stroke or a heart attack 
for a person to experience depression, right? But what they were identifying was physiologically it was functional. Like they needed to be depressed because their body needed to heal. And if they weren't depressed, they would immediately pivot back into the life circumstances they had before, which their body wouldn't be able to maintain very well. Like they literally needed to go to ground physically to recover from the stroke or the heart attack. so interesting. And so that changed my practice. Like I would speak with people that were admitted to the hospital with an acute stroke or MI, and I would tell them, look, it's overwhelmingly likely that you're going to have a period of depression, and I want you to understand that has nothing to do with your character. It has nothing to do with your personality. It is not something wrong with you or a chemical imbalance. It's a physiologic reaction to what just happened to you to, your to loss. put you on your butt so your body can heal. And it'll, it'll go away. It's a time period that your body is doing what it can to ground you so that you can heal the way you need to. And it helped people. You know, because people immediately, when they, when they feel depressed... People immediately identify it with a character flaw. Like, what's wrong with me that I'm depressed? Do you, do you know what I mean? I, I, I do. And so I, 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 look, I look at the functionality of why, why do we do this as humans, you know? So that's why I'm saying, like, when I'm in my deepest, darkest place, there's an immediate bubble of I don't want to share this darkness with anybody. Well, why? Is it fear? Is it, is, is it like... I fear that nobody's going to validate this. Is it that I really need to go to ground and in order to go to ground, I need to not have somebody pulling me out of it? I'm, I'm asking the question like I don't have the answer. I don't think there's a, a real answer. <laughs> I, do, I, don't, I don't think there's a, a, a how to fix. A neat answer. Right? <laughs> yeah, a how to fix. But I do know that during your depression, if you have the energy... And we have, and you have functions of your thumbs, or you can work a phone. You can that ask, you, can, you can phone a friend. <laughs> you can phone <laughs> a friend and go, I'm really having a difficult time right yeah. now. I just want you to know I love you and I'm going to be okay. Maybe we don't know, but I just want you to know I love you. Yeah. And they, people come to you yeah. knowing that you, it's almost like, a cry for help. Your real friends are not going to want to fix you. Right, right, exactly. They're not and going to want to fix you. Your real friends have the space that they can... They listen. ...be with that pain. Yes. You know, because that's the thing I was telling you about the Brene Brown stuff. It's like, it's very common that you share that vulnerability with somebody and they can't handle it. Exactly. And so they're going to try to fix you or they're going to try to talk you out of it or they're going to, you know, it's like they, they can't handle it. But... That's when you knew you have a real friend. Yeah. Because they have space for you in however you show up. Exactly. When, exactly. when I was, um, that's one of the beautiful things about the relationship with Jimmy is there was a time where I was super, super low and burned from past relationships where like I've shared my vulnerability and literally just been invalidated you know like you shouldn't feel this way you should be happy and it's like but I'm not and so there was part of me that wanted to reach out to him and I was very very scared but I ended up sitting in my little white chair in my bedroom that I meditated and I it's like my little comfort place texted Jimmy I'm so sad 
I, I'm really going through a hard time right now, you know, and he called me and you know what he said? He said, I love you, sad you. I'm here for you, sad you. I've never felt anything like that in my life. Do you know what I'm saying? When somebody says to you, I love you. I love you happy. I love you sad. I love you crazy. <laughs> I love you. Do you know what I'm saying? And it's a gift. And they're out there. Because we all have friends that will. We, we do have friends, too, that want to come and fix and say, oh, wait till you did this happens, and it's, so, it's going to take time, and blah, blah, blah. But it, but it takes a long time to recognize, though, that, that the disconnect with those friends isn't because of you. It's because of their capacity to get Yes, space. a lot it's of people are their comfortable. Level, you know, and, and so I think realizing that the, it, it almost it like lets you off the hook because then you're like, whoa, this isn't because what I'm feeling is invalid or is bad or is wrong. This is just because that particular person doesn't have space. They, they, they can't, they can't cope with it. Like grief, you know what I mean? I mean, what is it like the common reactions to grief are so... Kubler-Rosses, I mean, you go through the same, it doesn't matter what you lose. I mean, if it was meaningful and in your heart, you go through it's those breaking. stages. It's and crushing. It it's is. breaking. It and is. it's and it's something that, you know, like you said, the real friends, the, the true friends, don't have expectations of you. They just know you need love, and they give you love. And so they bring over a bottle of Grand, <laughs> Grand Marnier at 1 o'clock in the afternoon and sit and talk about stupid things, and you just listen. And bang on your window. Is that? And bang you on your windows. your door. I know. Because I bolted my door there and said, I'm going to bang on the windows until you come out. And that's what that's happened. That's such a metaphor. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you're in your deepest darkest. You bolted the door. And didn't you tell me you were like naked in your bed? Yes. Okay. So that's such a metaphor. You're so fucking vulnerable. You're naked in your bed, crying with the door bolted. No one's coming into my pain. And they're banging uh, the with and a bottle of Grand Marnier and their puppies. And, and their puppies, <laughs> bitch, we're just going to be with you. Yeah. And I told you, like, that cracked you open. It cracked you open. You called me and said, I'm so sorry. I wasn't there for you. Oh, I just. And that cracked me open and made me look at my life and I how I could be there for people. And I, I did. I should have been on a plane, and if you'd have said no, I don't want anybody here, <laughs> you would have I would have anyway. banged on the door, bought a bottle of vodka, and we would have just sat there or whatever. I that's that was my it was a, such a mistake on my part. I and I apologize to you. But I just we're different people now. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like that whole episode, like I'm completely different because of that. Because your friends showed up. You showed up. I showed up and we're going to keep showing up because we have the space and that to me, to me, that's the functionality of it. When you navigate deep loss and the grief and you allow yourself to be human and recognize that that's part of the absurdity of human life is ridiculous loss. You can't make sense of it. You know what I mean? Like, New agey people and a love and light bullshit. I mean, no offense to anybody because that's what they need in order to. That's what they need in order exactly. to make sense of the world. But that's there right. is things that happen that make no sense. 
no sense. And that's what that's what the last ten months. That's the journey for me. Like in the deepest, darkest part of of my pain last October was coming to terms with the fact that it made no sense. Do you know what I mean? What happened to me in childhood? Like I had this whole construct of how, on some perspective, it made me grow. Blah blah blah. No, I had to come to terms with it. Just made no sense. There was no trauma. is something that we don't talk about either. Yeah. We don't talk about our past traumas. Yeah. And those that's real. Yeah. That's the other thing is like the whole, you know, compartmentalizing and like rationalizing. Rationalizing. That's oh. what it is. It's a rationalizing and it's like you you really I think I think I didn't fully heal. And I don't even know that I could call myself fully healed, but I didn't come to the place of healing that I had until I accepted the fact that it made no fucking sense. Exactly. What happened to me made no sense. I can't, I can't be like, oh, I was a soul and I chose to come into this un- incarnation for these lessons. And it was a place of abject nothingness where there were no longer any constructs. Like I could not, like the Christian religion, like the New Age philosophy, like any kind of application of making sense to it made no sense and it happened it was real i know what i experienced but human beings are so uh brilliant yeah. at rationalization yeah we rationalize everything well, I, and and I, I think the functionality of that is not to touch the pain exactly because when you get to that exactly. bottom of of it makes no sense and it happened the only thing left is how effing painful it is the reality of what happened. The reality that you were, that I was traumatized. The reality that I was hurt. We're using the preservation. We're yeah. trying to preserve ourselves in some right. way. And I wish that I had been taught, and you, everyone, mm-hmm. that to get in a space and call it what it is. Right, right. Just to say this it's happened. Just, this it's is true. trauma. And this was not <sighs> meant just for me. This happens to everyone. Everyone. And we all need to address it. Yeah. And we all need to understand it. Not put a coat of paint on it. <laughs> not, 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 not try to be uh, the happy girl, the cheerleader, to overcompensate for it. To really feel it. And then call your friend. Yeah. <laughs> and then definitely call your friend. That's what text that your friend. Is. But that's what I'm saying. That's what that painting is. That painting is. There's nothing covered up. You 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 ground away the whitewash before you did that painting. Do you do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like that's a truth. I mean, I don't know if you were like thinking about that or intending that, but that's what I get from that. Is I know I look at a white canvas and go, okay, I'm not inspired. No, no, <laughs> no, no. And that's the, the yeah. That's and this the, is my first painting, <laughs> so I don't have much any experience. No, it's it's, but that's it's. It's funny. That's kind of, but that's the kind of the metaphor. It's like when you get to a place where you accept what is and who you are, and you don't have to have a rationalization. It just is. Then you can say, well, okay, well, who do I want to be now? What do I want to be now? Who can I be? Who can I be now? And I I was telling you last night, like the biggest thing for me early on in the journey was like, 
I had this idea in my head, like this construct of what a musician was, you know, and I obviously wasn't that because, you know, it was, that was like a pie in the sky. This is a musician. A musician lives this kind of life. And in and, 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 and incremental steps along the way, what I realized is like, all that was doing was holding me back from just being who I am. You know, a musician is who I am. But I had to get to a point where um, it's like, I didn't put the distance there. It was a fear. You know, I didn't put the distance there. It's like... Definitional what? question. What is a musician? Yeah. What, what is, is an artist? artist? Yeah. What is a, what, what is a physician? Right. What is Identity a, bullshit. Yeah. All that, all those labels that we use are just, it, they're insane. Yeah. I mean, we, we label everything. Yeah. Right. We do. Yeah. And social media, media labels everything. Yeah. And it's, um, it's not helpful. It's, mm-hmm. they're not helpful. No. We're all human beings. No, because that's the thing is like, that's what I was saying. Like as a human, so much more in common than what divides. Like, there's oh, not a human there's... on the planet that doesn't need to eat, that doesn't need to pee, that doesn't need to sleep, that doesn't need some smile, level of safety and that doesn't need and love, joy and love, that doesn't and need all of those, those things that are Those are the core elements. Those are the core elements, and we all share that, you know. And to the extent that we are aware of it, we all share the emotional spectrum. I mean, like, you don't... There's not a human on the planet that doesn't have loss, that doesn't feel brief that doesn't experience you know times of ecstasy and joy and so it's like if you cut yourself off from that you know like like my, my ex used to say he was never depressed was that's never scary oh that's even scarier you know, I mean, I hear him talking on the phone, like, screaming at people. I'm that's never why he's your ex. Yeah, that's my ex. Swipe left. <laughs> choice. Choice is a good thing. Choice and we ha- oh, thing. we do have choices. And sometimes we limit our choices. And it's because we have fear of failure or changing the word, baby. We're changing it to fail bounce, up. fail up, whatever fail up. we're yeah, doing. Yeah, we need to come up with a different word. That's, that's one of the, the things I like the most about the whole project that I'm doing on Substack is I find myself recreating language and exploring language. Like I, I do, <laughs> I'm such a geek. I do a lot of etymology, like looking in the origin of words. And, and when I do that, it makes me look at words I've used my whole life and realize that's not even what they meant. You know what I mean? Like the actual origin of the word is completely different than the way the we use it. The word fuck. <laughs> Number one best word in the English language. There is an explicit label on this podcast, you know. Like it's on Apple Podcasts and it has a little E. You, you know, just, it's not family friendly. Go, go. Beep. No, I don't see. I can't. This is this is if, if I do post this, this is going to be mean, uncut. The, so there's no beeping this out. Even that word itself yeah. doesn't mean anything. What how we use it in our American language, it just doesn't. Yeah, I mean, with every word right. has a meaning in the beginning. We have chosen, especially Americans. We 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 have taken the English language, and the 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 Brits call us. We've trashed. but you know what's it's funny because like you know i'm like uber woo so somewhere along the line i read something about spells and it's funny because i mean if you think about it like you know i'm not like a witch or a magician or anything like that 
Yeah. That's a label that I, I won't. I don't know. Maybe I am. Did I send you that thing that says, um, oh, my God, it's the funniest meme. It says, um, how come, how come um, as children we were warned about witches and never warned about the people that burn them at the stake? Like, it's, it, I, I'm probably not Ooh. quoting it correctly, Ooh. but it's the most powerful meme because it's like, oh my God, you know, like you grow up your whole life, like worried about witches and it's like, wait a second, what about the people that, yeah. So anyway, back to spells and spelling. Like That's so scary. I hope you were never told that story when you were a child. What story? That they burned Dude, Caroline Caroline came home, uh, it was months ago, fascinated with burning witches at the stake. She's showing me this stuff she found on the internet, you know? And I I mean, I thought it was really interesting in the dynamic of everything that's going on that she's watching these videos and she's questioning, like, how could we do this to people? Like, how could humanity at a certain point in time brutalize well, individuals like this. C is a special baby. She's fair. <laughs> She's a special, She's special. But But back to, like, spelling. We're all taught to spell when we're young, right? Well, what if, like, spelling is casting a spell? Like, what if when we speak, you know, our words have that meaning and we, we go through our life thoughtless about how our words impact? But really, like, the language we're we're casting spells, we're creating our life, we're making our world with the words we use and we choose in the way that we spell. Is that crazy? No, it's not crazy because our intonation, everything that we do when we say something is so meaningful to the recipient. Yeah. And and maybe not to the one that's not listening, but to someone who's not listening. <laughs> <laughs> How we say things. Yeah. And what we say, and we may be giggling in our head, but the person <laughs> receiving this may be going, never thought of it that way. That's really weird or something like that. Right. So, so we don't, we're not very good communicators. Yeah. I, I do not think. I don't, I don't think we were taught to communicate well. No. And I, I miss that in yeah. my education. Yeah. I, I truly did. I could use multi-symbolic words and, and what have you, but to really communicate is um, almost with joy and love. Yeah. And, that's, and then you get to build on that relationship with yeah. something that's yeah. more philosophical or more so- something that, that is more practical meaningful to you or... and practical. Because no. we don't, it's, it's also almost an introduction to the world is the first communication to anyone, right? Should be kind, listening to right. me, and and seeing how the person responds. And if I don't get the response, I, I understand it's, that this person does not want to communicate with right. me at all. But sometimes we we uh, get on something and something that's interested, you know, we're we're interested in. Right, we go right, on right. and. We're not very sensitive at times. And, and no, it's I, like the it. picture I have in my mind is like just bubbles, you know. And I think the reason I, when I was working in medicine, I think one of the reasons I was so successful was because that was my jam. 
like I'm in the emergency room immediately developing rapport with people and being where they were and seeing what they needed and being open to who they were in that moment. You know what I mean? It was like there was nothing that was going to happen if that didn't happen. And so, but I saw other physicians, you know, carrying their bubble of their selves into the room and this is the way it is. And it was like no, nothing got into that force field. You know oh, what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And so I, I was for, an open heart nurse forever. Yeah. So for me, so, it was like if, was... if I don't, if I don't Im- immediately kind of, and it wasn't necessarily verbal language. It was like intuition in a way because, you know, most of the time people come in, they're not exactly identifying what they're there for. You know what I mean? Like they'll tell you in language what they're there for, but they're not. It's almost that vulnerability thing. Like they're not really going to tell you what's burdening them what's on their heart what's they're afraid of I, I mean chest pain patients I learned really early on to say well what are you afraid this is you know and then you could kind of get to the core a little bit of why they were there and what they really needed of course of course yeah we all so it's like from the get-go like just building that common ground so, so I have like this vision in my head of like here's my bubble there's your bubble and how can we make some sort of overlap? You yeah. got to bust your bubble first. Bust your bubble. Exactly. <laughs> you got to bust your bubble first. You just have to you be out there and be bubble. free the... and be vulnerable and yeah. be and whatever happens. And you can take that. I mean, we're intelligent people. We could whatever they come out. You know, oh, I don't effing want to be here. And you right. go, I understand. That. Yeah, absolutely. And just, and so many times. So many times, you know, I mean, I had people that were having acute MIs and they wanted to, I mean, they were like getting TPA, getting like the clot busting drug therapy and they were like, I can't stay here. I got to go take care of my dog. <laughs> You're like, okay, how can I approach? How can, how, do you have a friend? I'll call, right. have somebody call your friend. This? Your dog's going to be okay. Yeah. Let's focus on you now. Yeah. Your dog's okay. How can because I, I can this? tell you. There are a lot of people. That's a real thing. (laughs) It's real. real. But that's what I'm saying. Like if you can, if you immediately invalidate somebody and what they're bringing to you, you're not going to get anywhere. Like you have to, you have to be able to see that reality for them. And at the same time, see what might be underneath it. Like, you know, maybe that's what their brain's coming up with, but maybe it's more about the denial of what's going on right then, you know? So how can I deal with the 3d at the same time? You know, I can help this person help themselves. I don't know. It it's a, a work in progress. Yeah. We we are in a human experimenting mode, <laughs> is what <laughs> I call a, this. I, I, I say that to my kids all the time, and I feel like it's probably one of the best things I can say is, like, you know, look at it like an experiment. This is Take this yourself is, off the this hook. This is the greatest Try human Try experiment. It. Yeah. it truly is. Our world is. Okay. I feel like I have to do music. Because that's my original intent. Stacy always has to do music. And that's what we <clears> love, <throat> Stace. This song is called um, Best Part. I'm Daniel Caesar Road. It's the sweetest thing And it don't change If I had it my way You would know 
that song right and I'm like how does this fit into this and then I was thinking about it when I pee <laughs> and I that's pee. what it is it's like I just want to see how beautiful you are you know you're amazing you know you're a star it's like that's what it is that's what that whole here go in front of me in line here set your things here that's what you are you know when you go into places and you recognize people's beauty it's like I just want to see you how beautiful you are. And Stacy, you are the most beautiful woman, <laughs> soul on the planet. No. On the planet no, for you. me. No, Always. No. I know you. Oh, you better. You better. You better. Well, thank you for hanging me, hanging me, hanging me, hanging out in your living room in this amazing casita in Key West with your lover man. Who gets more things from Amazon than I? Th I think I thought women got more things from Amazon. John oh no. gets. Jimmy's got a daily. I mean, long. no, a daily. It, this is nothing. This is just one box. We can we get like three or four. He's growing mushrooms in the shed, mm -hmm. and he, he just and they're of all different varieties. Look at that face. And it's like Christmas for him because he doesn't remember. It's Christmas every day. <laughs> and that's what Amazon is. It's Christmas every day. It's like, I get nothing. I, I'm like the no, least shopping person on the you planet. Get joy. <laughs> you get his joy. This might be for you. You get his satisfaction. It could be for the new puppy. I don't know. We will see. What? What is it? What is it? Oh, the boxes in the boxes. Oh, that's the oh. portable pet playpen. There you go. You're gonna need it for your new puppy. Yeah, he's gonna be like three Here, months we old. Need the not cut that little potty trained. Yeah. 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 And we're going to the beach, and we need some place to put him, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> which he'll never hang in because he'll be in there whining, and he will be in our lap. But you know what? That's the fucking life goes on. I know. And it was a crazy. It didn't break the bank. I'm just so happy. It's so small. But the little dude's like two pounds. I mean, how how big do we need? Beautiful. Okay. Well, until the next time, hasta la vista in the living room.